The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 13th chapter. Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days. On which, to work, on which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? When he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I forgot one important announcement this morning, and sorry to put you on the spot, Allison, but Allison Pryor, a daughter of our congregation, was approved for rostered ministry in the ELCA yesterday to be a minister of word and sacrament. So let's give her a big round of applause. Yay! So this means that Allison will be awaiting a call, and in the meantime, the bishop's office must think very highly of her because they have appointed her to a part-time position working on racism and generosity with the Senate and a couple other things, but those are two of the primary things. And then we here at Christ Lutheran will kind of help her in this time of transition. She's going to be working about five to ten hours a week and helping uh, support me a little bit in ministry as well. So we give thanks for her. This has been a long journey, five years five years that she's dedicated to study and internship and clinical pastoral education and all of that and all of that formation has come to fruition so we celebrate with you Allison so sorry I forgot that earlier but I didn't want to miss saying it so there we go well who doesn't love a good story right? A good story. It's one of the best things you can spend your time doing right? Listening to a good story Because a story well told, it can bring joy. It can bring a deep connection that you can find between you and another human being where you find commonalities that you didn't know about before. It can bring sadness sometimes, but sometimes that sadness can be exactly the pathway that you needed toward healing. Sometimes a really good story can even bring us to the point of anger But hopefully that anger then inspires us to work toward change and positive action. Story, our stories, your stories, they have so much power 
to transform our worlds and how we see one another. I wonder about the story of the woman who was bent over for 18 long years, almost two decades. She was bent over by this spirit. I wonder what her stories would consist of. What would she tell about? Often we interpret her and we think that she would tell us stories about being overlooked or looked down upon. She would have been considered an outcast and an outsider. She would have likely been avoided by those who were seen as holy, religious, or elite. And so it's almost impossible for us when we hear this story of this woman bent over for 18 years, it's almost impossible for us not to pity her, right? 18 years of suffering like this adds up to a heartbreaking and difficult story. How many of you have heard of Chimamande Ngozi Adichie? Has anybody heard of her? No? Well, you need to go out. Oh, Linnell, yes, thank you. Linnell has heard of her. You all need to go out and buy her books. She is a phenomenal writer. She's a Nigerian novelist. She's written books like Purple Hibiscus, Half a Yellow Sun, and Americana, in addition to a lot of essays and short stories. She's won several literary awards over the years, and for this, she's often asked to speak. And about five years ago, she got asked to offer a TED Talk, right? And we all know how great TED Talks are. Well, this was one of the best TED Talks ever given. You can go look that up later, too. And in it, Chimamande discusses the danger of a single story. Chimamande was an early reader. Her mother says she began reading at the age of two, but she says it was more likely four that she began reading. It's still pretty early, right? She read mostly books written in English by English authors, because that's what was available in Nigeria. And when she began to write herself at the tender age of seven, she wrote exactly the stories that she was reading. She wrote about snow. She wrote about people eating apples. She wrote about people who talked a lot about the weather. When would the sun come out or how great it was that the sun had come out. But Chimamande grew up in Nigeria where they didn't have snow, where they ate mangoes instead of apples and where they never talked about the weather because it never changed, the sun was always out, right? Well, eventually Chimamande received the sheer joy of actually getting to read some African authors and African literature. She read Chinua Achebe, I'm sure many of you have heard of him, and Camera Lay, and their writings encouraged her to begin writing stories about characters that she actually recognized. Coming from the middle class, Chimamande's mother was the first female registrar at a local university, and her father was a professor there of statistics. It put them solidly in the middle class for Nigeria. And because of that, they had domestic help when she was little. When, they, when she turned eight, they got a new houseboy named Fide. And Chimamande's mother would tell her all the time about how poor his family was, how very destitute. And Chimamande's family would send home yams and rice for Fide and his family. And when Chimamande wouldn't finish her dinner, her mother would say, think about Fide, you need to finish the food that is in front of you, right? 
she would remind her that Fide's family often went without. And so it was that Chimamande found herself incredibly surprised when they finally took a trip as a family to visit Fide's home in a rural village. She was shocked, shocked when she discovered a certain item. She found there a beautiful patterned basket of dyed raffia that Fide's brother had made. And Chimamande was surprised because the family's poverty had been her single story of them. It had been her only picture of them. And it had so limited her viewpoint that she had never considered that Fide's family could be creative or hardworking or joyful or loving or any of the more positive emotions she might have associated with Fide and his family. Well, when she went off to college, it was Chimamande's American roommate who took the turn being surprised this time. She asked Chimamande where she learned to speak English so well, and she told her that English is the official language of Nigeria. Her roommate asked to listen to her tribal music and was disappointed when Chimamande shared a CD of Mariah Carey with her. Her roommate even assumed that she didn't know how to do basic things like use a stove. Chimamande says of the experience, she had felt sorry for me before she'd even seen me. A patronizing, well-meaning pity formed because she had a single story of Africa and Africans. After a few years in the United States, Chimamande understood this response better. Because based on the representations of Africa generally held in the U.S. public opinion, it made sense, right? What she saw of Africa, of her uh, continent, her home continent, was gorgeous landscapes and animals, wild, roaming on the safari, incomprehensible people fighting senseless wars, people dying of AIDS and Ebola and other diseases and poverty and hunger, unable to speak for themselves and waiting to be saved. In Chimamande's words, she says, if I had grown up in the United States, I would see Africa the same way that I had seen Fide's family. How impressionable we are in the face of a story and how vulnerable we are to the power of a single story. The bent over woman story from our gospel for today, how would she tell it? How does her vantage point affect her telling of it? What about her limited scope of vision? If she was bent over and unable to straighten her back, unable to stand up, what would she have seen? Would she have been able to see the people who, upon seeing her, averted their eyes from her? Would she have been able to see the people who stared at her in wonder and in pity? Would she have been able to see those who looked down upon her and saw her presence as a mere nuisance? Would she have noticed when someone chose to pass by on the other side? But still, within her line of vision, she would have seen 
other things. Her eyes would have fallen upon the ground. She would have noticed a patch of grass or some wildflowers, a brook running by the side of a bank, children running, playing, small animals and bugs that are harder to catch if your eyes aren't trained upon them, a coin, a piece of jewelry someone accidentally dropped, little things that for so many of us go completely unnoticed, overlooked, and undervalued by the world. We give the woman bent over a single story, but I wonder with that perspective, what stories would she give us? What stories would children tell of her? What stories would animals tell of her? To insist only on the negative aspects of her story, on her limitation, flattens her humanity. Stereotypes aren't always untrue, but they are always incomplete because they make one story the only story. Stories, then, dear friends, matter. For stories can be used to dispossess and malign or to encourage and praise. Stories can break our dignity, but they can restore our dignity, too. Stories can be used to empower, and stories can be used to take power away. Our stories matter. The great Chinua Achebe told us we needed a balance of stories. His student Chimamande says, when we reject the single story, we regain a kind of paradise. God, our God, wants all of our stories. In all of their depth, and all of their breadth, and all of their height, God wants all of our stories. And that's why Jesus healed this overlooked woman in our gospel reading for today. Because he already knew that she was whole. He already saw her fully in her complete humanity. But he wanted the world to see and know that about her as well. He wanted the world to hear the fullness of her story. As told by her not the story the rest of the world assumed about her or believed from someone else's lips, not her own. In our reading from Isaiah for today, it's this beautiful, poetic, prophetic reading from Isaiah, and the prophet speaks about this bright day that will come using these words. He says, if you remove the pointing of the finger... If you remove the speaking of evil, if you offer food to the hungry, if you satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in darkness and your gloom will be like the noon day. The prophet also uses moving poetry to describe the faithful of God who will do these things and what they will be called. He says you will be called repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets. That is God's proclamation to you as the gathered faithful today. Repairers of the breach, restorers of the streets. 
I don't know if I feel up to that task. I don't know if you do. Powerful words, if we could claim them. If only we could make such a story come to pass. But it strikes me that if we are going to do that, we would begin well by listening. Amen.